What's up, everybody? This is Matilda Egera Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. Today is a bit of a special episode as I'll be sharing a live panel talk I hosted on building emotional resilience. I know it's a biggie, especially with everything that we've been through these past few years. But that's why it's so relevant, because I'm sure you can agree we can all do it having the resilience we need when life doesn't go the way we expected it to. So for the talk, I was joined by two good friends and wellness experts, Sanchia and Jade, and we had such a good time sharing a bit of our own life journeys and what we've learned about resilience along the way. Hopefully our insights will inspire how you deal with different scenarios in your life, no matter what might come. So without further ado, here's the discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. (laughs) Right. So just to kind of dive straight into it, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the phrase emotional resilience? (sighs) (laughs) I think of life, actually, and... I'm not trying to start this off by being really broad and not specific, but in my experience and people that I've worked with or friends, family, actually it's something that keeps coming back. It's like a theme. And when I look back at, you know, earlier memories, actually it was even present there. So I think about life. There is an exhale with it as well. I think it's, it, it maybe has a bit of a heavy energy when you think of, of emotional resilience. But I also have a big grin because then I think about where I am now and you, know, you go through kind of those flashbacks of all those little points in your life and it's why I'm in this chair right now. Mm-hmm. Good you. things. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is strength. Um, you will find like there's many chapters, as you all know, how you all have your own book that you are all writing every day. So you will go through many chapters that will test you in different ways, different things will come up, and you will find an internal strength or you will work through the situation and find on reflection how strong you were in that chapter. And then it can be used in your new chapters. So I would say, again, touching on what Sanchez said, it is life. It is how you deal with life, what you've learned from life uh, upon reflection. Again, that's the key thing, not to sit in that trauma or that pain or that challenge, uh, but also honor that space, but also really reflect on what happened, what you can draw from it, and then how you can help build as you continue to progress. Love that. Because I was going to go into the definition, and you pretty much started it. Um, The definition of emotional resilience is the ability to adapt to stressful situations or crises. So the more resilient you are, the more you're able to kind of roll with the punches, whereas if you feel less resilient, then it just feels a little bit harder to adapt to adversity. Um, And I think one of the biggest challenges that we face with resilience is the fact that we all inherently feel that life is meant to be perfect. But as I mentioned that TED Talk earlier, um, Dr. Holm kind of mentions that we all feel entitled for some reason to a perfect life, and actually that isn't reality. So to kind of touch on maybe when that myth was shattered, can you remember the moment in your life when you realized, okay, this isn't adding up. This is not the fairy tale (laughs) that I thought life was meant to be. Um, Yeah, it was most of my childhood, actually. 
Not to say it was all like that, but there were really big key points where I was sometimes out loud, speaking out, thinking, whether it's God, whether it's the source, whatever it is, like, this isn't life. Like, why am I dealing with X, Y, and Z? And I think if it's in your childhood, I think that question just felt even bigger than, you know, times now when I'm having hardships. Like, why? Literally, I didn't have to be born. Why? Why Why is this going on? So from quite a young age, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that even though I didn't have the language or know that I was, you know, being resilient or or whatever it was, there was always... I find this really hard to actually uh, describe, not talk about describe. There was always something in me, and I'm not sure if it's a connection to, and people use whatever language you want, to the source, to God, to, to whatever, or I'm not sure if it's something that was sort of instilled in me, but I always just thought, this is not going to be it, though. As bad as this is, and as much as no one's answering the question why, no one's coming to save me, um, even though there, there were family members around, not that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, yes, but it, it wasn't changing things. And I just remember thinking, I had this, like, I feel emotional talking about it because it was, it was very visceral in my body. And I remember thinking to myself, quite simply, as an adult now, I was put on the planet for more, and this will be temporary. Not knowing how long the timeline would be was probably the hardest thing. However, hope is that thing that has no time. Because as we know, if you just have hopes and you don't put any action to them, they're they're goals and dreams that we never fulfill, right? So actually, in, in that instance, having hope that felt endless was kind of comforting and just was like a mate. It just was there with me the whole time. But, you know, like I'm talking, you know, like barling to your grandma, like, why is my life like, you know, I mean, like really, really just thinking this is. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I know it's your, I know it's your thing. This is sugar, (laughs) (laughs) but sour sugar. Okay. Thank you. Um, So I would probably say for me, it's probably been, um, when I first realized what stress was, actually. And uh, that probably first reared its head in education, from higher education. And I used to be a very extreme perfectionist. You know, I don't know if any of you guys are. I probably still am, but I have to very much, like, honor it, have a look at it, and then... Because uh, that can kind of just put you in this space, obviously adding to stress. So I would say stress is probably the biggest thing, one of the things that kind of helped me realize actually working through something. Actually, I would, yeah, just working through that and finding a way to kind of manage it, looking at it. It is all about how you manage things. Then you kind of build that toolkit. So once you learn how to manage something, your toolkit starts to grow, it starts to expand, you then start to evolve, new things happen, you start to draw those tools and build upon those tools. But the first kind of instance, I was like, oh, this feels different. This isn't as enjoyable. Or the perception of enjoyable, this is real life. You know, this is because I care about something, it means something, I want something, but actually it is hard. So how am I going to get through? And what is this feeling that I'm feeling? And I didn't realise it was stress. So once I realised what it was, and I was like, I could name that thing, I was like, okay, cool. That's what that is. That's that. It's always going to be there. Actually knowing what it is, what it looks like, how it feels, how it manifests in my behaviour, 
I can manage that. So I would say, yeah, stress actually in the big age that I'm at now, not that I'm that old, but you know what I mean, compared to when it first showed up at, gosh, 20 years ago, now I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, for myself, believe it or not, is when I first encountered racism um, as a kid. For those that don't know, I was born and raised in Texas. I moved to the UK when I was 12. And Texas is the Bible Belt. Every single Sunday you'd see me in church because I love the Lord. Uh, but when I was about maybe seven or eight, um, and me and my brother, we were actually walking to church on a Sunday. Imagine the day of the Lord. And this guy in a truck, he just drove past and he said, hey, N-word. And it felt so violent <laughs> and it felt just off. And it made me realize, because up until that point, what, what's racism? You know, the way my mother raised us, we were never taught to be different or feel different. Um, the way life was to be one was you work really, really hard. And then that was that. But I think the moment that I recognized, okay, people see me differently, I think was the beginning of when my resilience started to build. Um, and actually later on in this conversation, we are gonna talk about how that has played out in black women and the whole notion of the strong black woman. And if it's just by virtue of our adversity or whatever, but I, let, me, let me not jump. But that, that's sort of my initial experience. So I guess then based on just that first point, how has that played out since we've gotten a bit older and have gone through these various chapters in our life? How have you noticed sort of resilience building within yourself and, and what has caused that? So I'm quite a reflective person anyway. And when I think back, now it's a bit more formalized, like I journal, et cetera, et cetera. But when I think back to being a child, actually I was loved creative writing. Um, I loved poetry. Um, I just liked writing things down to like get them out of me. But I see that more now as you know what I was doing. I was trying to process and understand things. And... I guess it's weird when some, if something's happened from so many years ago because it feels like a bit of a distant memory, but then when times are a little more challenging, you, you can feel like you're kind of back in that space. But I do feel like I've got a really healthy... It's almost like I'm back in that space, but I'm just looking over the situation now. Like, okay, yeah, I see you, I remember you, I know what's happening, you know. And I think... The reflection process is, as Jade already said, it's, it's so key to it. And I don't think it has to be this sort of thing where it's like taking yourself through step by step, the, the, the rubbish that you're going through. But it can literally be like just dumping your thoughts, like anything that you're seeing right now, colors, feelings, words, shapes, like as if they're, they're you know, inside of your brain just spilled out. And I also think that in having such a challenging uh, younger years that n most things now kind of seem like a, a lot easier, mm -hmm. you know? Obviously, there's different things, like heartache. That was a, a different thing, and I thought that wasn't going to end, that, you know? But really, it, it can't ever get worse than, than what I experienced at that time. And, and maybe it was heightened by, you know, different things. If, if you're a certain age or you're less equipped for things, it can feel bigger. But I already know that maybe I shouldn't even be here. So there's, there's nothing else that really can test me to those limits with the skills that I had at that stage. Mm -hmm. So when I think 
about it now and I think about that feeling, I think to myself, you were right. You, you were put on the, the earth and world, as we all were. And actually, every day, every year, I am living that out in, in different ways. What I think is perhaps important is being able to give myself and yourself the space and the grace to feel what you feel in that time, to be able to sit with it, to be able to, you know, maybe label it, or you go, I can't label it right now, but it feels a bit like this. And that is completely okay. Like, I do also, as much as I said at the beginning, you know, resilience, I'm here now, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, I don't necessarily want to see it as this badge of honour either, you know? I think that sometimes for resilience, you can just keep going. Yeah. And... Also, you know, there are different types, emotional, physical, mental. And sometimes you can, I can be stronger in one area at one point than the others, but that's okay. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't with that emotional one right now, but I can kind of look at these things and at least get some order over here and understand things. So for me, yeah, it's like, it's not gonna be worse than that. And even if it was going to be worse than that, because I appreciate that the people might face things worse than what they've already experienced or already have been in that situation, knowing that, well, that was then, that was who you were then with the tools that you have there and then, what can you be doing right now with what's going on now? And using the fact that you've made it to this point in your life, it's not a mistake that we've all got to where we are right now. And whether you're not happy with where you are right now, that's still okay, that you know, none of this is about, you should be satisfied and happy of exactly what's going on. But I know that in the past, I haven't always given myself the space to look at what I've come through. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy to be flooded and saturated with what is going on right now. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, this is happening to me. And it's like, actually, I'm just a playing living out my life, I'm taking part in the world, and this thing is going on right now. Um, so, sorry, I've said a lot of different things, hopefully. It's good to pour, it's good to pour. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point, though. Yeah. The point is, is actually, it, it, it's got so many different sides to it. For me, looking at it kind of like I'm looking at the situation, reflecting on what's, what's happened before. Are there any similarities? How did I respond then? Did that serve me? Didn't serve me? What could I do now? That's the process. Yeah. That's where I see it showing up in everyday life now still and yes. how I see it showing up. Thank you. Thank you, my darling. Because actually you shared so many beautiful things that I hadn't actually thought about, but the dots are so similar. So I have three things I'm going to share just so I can manage it, being a creative as well. Uh, the first thing I could probably adopted without realising was probably music, I'm sure, you know, say no more. But music, uh, that was my thing. Back in studying, as an interior architect, I designed a space all about music and therapy. I didn't realize I was doing this at the time, but that was my tool to manage stress, and then I manifested it through a space that I was designing. So music was one of my tools. We all know it's super healing, and it's healing power, healing properties. Obviously movement, say no more again, that's number one. But I would say... Um, the third thing, and as Sancho was saying, is as I grew older, with still like a, a very Christian Catholic upbringing, spirituality became bigger. As I became on my own personal development journey and kind of just wanted to understand more meaning to life, why things happen, how do you manage it, how can you wake up every day and still find joy even when life is hard? And I was like, and also, 
like Sanchi so beautifully shared, no one in the best way is going to come and save you because they're so busy trying to save themselves. Mm. You know, no, it is no one's responsibility to come and save Jade or X or Y because if they do that, who saves them? So without kind of looking for a savior and someone to come, you then feel empowered and notice you reframe, uh, you give yourself permission to look after yourself, to find the tools for yourself. Try not to feel, oh my goodness, like, why is this happening to me? Well, no, it's happening for you. There's so much opportunity. So, yeah, the third thing is probably finding, this is how I've done it anyway, that higher energy, that higher being that helps you kind of, they have your back. You know, if there's anyone that has your back, it is that high energy, I believe, anyway, whatever it is for you. Um, and it does help you helicopter, essentially. Showed. It helps you kind of just not be in it so much. Obviously, we're in that. But as you get older, you evolve, you kind of reflect, which is very important. You then realize, like, oh, okay, that's what that was. Oh, okay. Or you could park it. And in a year's time or two years, oh, okay, that's what that was. But if you're conscious, the dots will just start to connect together. And then, you know, just kind of, yeah, just keep living every day, really. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things that you touched on kind of sort of indirectly that kind of made me think of something that I have, I suppose, turned to when I've sort of, you know, encountered life. Um, you mentioned just heartache, just as a kind of random thought. Um, and it's really interesting how I used to deal with heartache when I was much younger compared to how I would deal with it now. Because um, weirdly enough, music has, has played a massive part in that. And I distinctively remember and I'm kind of laughing internally because it was like, sometimes I wish I could see myself and watch that movie, but I don't know who this brother was. <laughs> you know what it was just, this is like uni days. He has no name. He doesn't even have a face. But I remember there was a party that, I think it was New Year's Eve or something, met a guy and the next day, there was the hope that, oh, he'd ask for a number or he'd ask for a date, and there was no such thing. And I just remember going home and playing Mariah Carey Breakdown on repeat. Break, like, break like wholeheartedly. <laughs> as if to say, <laughs> as if to say, this person had actually broken my heart, which he hadn't. It was just like, okay, whatever, swipe left, swipe right, you keep moving. But <laughs> that's how we are today. Whereas back then, it was just like the end of the world for me. And I think one of the beautiful things about growing up, um, and I embrace my age, right? Like when people hit their 40s or 30s, they're like, ah, it's over. And it's like, mm -mm, life is actually just about to begin because it gets so much better because you can look back at these random experiences and actually laugh. So when you mentioned heartache and you mentioned music, I really just went back to that day and I'm just like, really, girl? Really? Anyway. <laughs> um, that does kind of link to my next question, though. And it's a bit of a deeper one. What would you say has been one of the hardest things that you've had to work through in life? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, notice how we both just exhaled. <laughs> the breath, the breath. The breath is another amazing toolbox, tool thing in your box. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of things. Like, oh my gosh, so many, so many, so many things. But I was kicked out of home at about 15 and a half around that time. So just before taking my exams... And um, before you lot start, yeah, I was no bad breed, right? Just <laughs> because that's the first thing people were like, what were you doing? No, it wasn't like that. Um, it wasn't like that at all. But um, yeah, and so that was, you know, really, really, really hard. 
that was really hard. What was your question? How did you work through it? How did I work through it? <laughs> yeah, let's How not just end it yeah. on the... <laughs> um, so I saw it as an opportunity, like loads of tears, you know, all that stuff, like, you know, it's a given. But I saw it as an opportunity. I reached out to some key um, adult figures in my life. Some were family members, some weren't. And I thought to myself, this is not it. Like, a girl ain't going out like that. This is not it, you know, there's, there's, there's gonna be something. And, and at the time, I did look at other things that I was doing in my life, so I knew what I was predicted for my exams. And I felt pretty confident that I would do okay. And I kind of, I knew, I was like, right, well, I need that to do A-levels. I need that to go to this university. And I'd known all of that stuff for quite a long time of where I wanted to go and, and what I wanted to do. And so after reaching out to the adults, I also just thought, well, what will be will be, you know? Like, it, a lot of it is out of my control. And... I'm going to have to probably prove to other adults, uh, another, you know, if you're an adult already, other people sometimes in your life that I can do X, Y, and Z, and I can, you know, basically hold down my own life and achieve my goals. So I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of moving. So I wasn't um, doing yoga back then. I knew about yoga, but I wasn't really practicing in that way. But I just liked to... I, I didn't do um, any professional type of dance, really, or anything like that, but I liked to, like... You know, like, were any of you, like, little, kind of rolling around the floor, like, and doing, like, weird contemporary, like, bussing moves? Like, uh, you know, like, just flailing around, basically. But I would always kind of be dancing. And whether they were kind of silly things like that, just big movements, which actually, when you look at now and you look at movement therapy and stuff like that, you know, actually taking up space in the world, actually, you know, power posing, you know, it's a kind of adolescence way of, of doing that stuff, getting out of yourself to kind of get back into your body. So I did a lot of that stuff. I did a lot of talking to people like my grandparents and it would just be spilling, spilling out and out and out. So I did a lot of that. I did a lot of um, hanging out with good friends as well. And I'm still friends with them now. So people I've been friends with since 11. Um, I sang a lot as well. So singing is um, something I do privately. And um, you know, now as well as an adult, you, you read and you learn about the power of mantra, you, the power of prayer, the power of singing in church. For what, you know, there's lots of people here, some will have a faith, some won't, but just singing, singing Lauren Hill, like it doesn't matter what it is. So I did a lot of that as well. And sometimes as well, just writing down on paper the, the hard, cold things that I've got, what, what have I got? It's sometimes literally what have I got? Money, you know, or like I've got a place at this college. And then what don't I have? These are things I don't have. And actually, something my aunt, my aunt passed away when I was quite, I was like 18. So, you know, she'd been through a lot of that time with me. And I remember her saying to me, because um, I never asked anyone for anything either, really, like apart from emotional support. I, I didn't ask for money. You know, I kind of just did everything by myself. But she said to me, if you need it, I'll get it for you. If like always call me, always call me. You know, if you need it, I'll get it for you. If you want it, I'll think about it. And she was busting jokes on the phone. And then I also remember kind of applying that to my life, thinking, okay, what are the needs? What are the wants? You know, what are the needs? What are the wants? And actually, when it came down to some logistical things, like trying to budget for a household at 16 years old and wanting to go out of your brethren's or like buy hooch 2020 or whatever it was at the time I was drinking. Um, 
going to yourself, right, you know, here's how much, what are you going to do? You're going to get a bus, you're going to walk, here's how much a weekly travel card costs this. That's a, that's a need. I don't want that. I don't care about the buses, you know. And basically applying that lovely little saying that she was just saying, you know, you just have to phone to, especially when she passed away, it, it rung a lot in my mind that I could apply that to other areas of my life. So, yeah. Thank you. Until in it. And what's been your story? So mine's been, I would say, over the course of the years, whether it's through education, not necessarily education, maybe university, but more career, career change, purchasing my property, anything that became more expansive, elevation, developing, growing life, that probably brings out within itself, obviously you are far more responsible, you are adulting, probably that's the best word, um, which is all new because obviously we are all on a journey. So for me, the anxieties that can bring up, how do you manage that? Um, so that probably be my biggest thing. But again, the tools are all very similar. Movements, music, journaling, having a close network, or even if it's just that one friend who's got your back, who will just hold space for you to speak and not be listening to kind of then talk, but listen so they can hear you. Um, and really noticing who those people are and noticing who those people are in the best way because everyone only has a certain capacity depending on where they are in their life. So that's also okay, you know, but you can find who are the people that can not give you the energy that you need because I think you should be, try and be responsible for your energy but hold space for you um, because you're on the same vibration, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest things that you learn and being okay with friends that maybe are not necessarily, but they're in your fruit bowl, you know? And one of my really good friends actually shared that analogy with me that I've never forgotten. And I think it's a beautiful thing to have a colorful array of different fruits in your bowl in terms of your support group that you can go for different things because no, no one is the same and we're not supposed to be. So who can you draw on for different things? what's in season, depending on your season, your chapter. So again, that all just kind of comes back to life is a book. It is a series of chapters and seasons. And you find a way to kind of get through that using the different tools, really. Love that. Thank yeah. you. Um, I think for myself, the hardest things have always been a little bit work-related. Um, I'm a type A personality. I think, as I mentioned before, one of my um, approaches to managing life is just go hard at it, work as hard as you can and see what the outcome of that would be. But I definitely remember quite vividly when I graduated and I applied for what I thought was going to be my dream job. Um, at the time I wanted to work in the music industry. I applied for a job at Sony BMG um, and I, uh, I was pretty certain <laughs> I was gonna get this job. And just getting the sorry you've not been successful once again 21, 22 years old, my world had ended. Um, not recognizing that a few years later, I would end up writing for The Independent, working at the BBC, and actually doing things I never had imagined. And I suppose my life lesson there was, sometimes we can be so narrow-minded in the things that we want to achieve, not realizing actually that there's better things to come. But then also when those better things do come, and you lose them, it's like, yikes. Um, and I, I've been at risk of redundancy twice um, in the space of my career. I've been working professionally, yeah, since I graduated 21. I'm 41 now, so that's 20 years. Um, in both of those instances, it was like, 
I didn't anticipate this. <laughs> what is redundancy? What does one do? How do I figure this out? Um, but I did, <laughs> you know? And I think just this recognition that life has its ebbs and flows. It is not linear. And that's where that kind of resilience tends to come. I do, I do want to touch on this idea, though, about strong black women and this need for us to be strong. I suppose the question is, do you think it is a necessity or is there somewhere in the middle where we can hold on to this idea of being a strong black woman, but maybe not live up to society's expectations of the strong black woman? Bit of a tricky question, but I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, is it a badge of honor or is it something that we should explore, revisit, maybe even reframe? I feel like it's maybe dangerous as a badge of honor to the outs outside your world. Like, if amongst you and your crew, you're the strong black woman with all your other, do you know what I mean? Like, cool, you're safe, that's a safe space. But actually, you know, if, if the world is going to interpret or give it a whole different meaning or hold you to some level of something because of that, then I'm not sure that's a badge of honor. I think that finding a way it's just going to sound so wanky. But finding a way to sort of authentically be strong for when you need that for, for you is where it could be in a good, positive place. Because we all do need to be strong. I think, though, the, the relationship that it has with maybe why black women have to be strong black women is, is the distortion or the, the issue. And... Actually, you know, no one's talking about why other races are strong, whatever, you know. It's like, well, why is this term even out there in the world in that way? It's, you know, it's, if anything, isn't it, the, isn't it strong black women's to own? Like, I'm a strong black woman. Why are you telling me? You, you know, if that's a scenario that, you've, that I'm finding myself in, you'll find yourself in. So I think it's about we all have to be strong at times in our life, and it, but I think it has to be in, maybe under our, our own terms and in a way that protects you first and the outside world second. Yeah, that's good, yeah. thank you. I mean, I would probably definitely build off of everything that Sancho has beautifully shared. Like for me, I have never personally hmm, like internalized or put that label on myself because I don't like labels. I don't like living up to expectations, other people's perceptions, or other people's projections upon myself. I've just, yeah. However, I have inherently been strong. So I know obviously my own identity, who I am as a woman, as a black woman, uh, the internal strength I have, and that's enough for me. You know, like I, I am who I am. I know my skill set. I know how I show up in the world. And everything else is none of my business. Mm -hmm. For me, personally, that's how I've managed it. I've never really had the pressure or, yeah, I just show up. So I've always trusted in my own internal strength, knowing who I am again, like I share my family, my culture, my upbringing. And then everything else is not really any of my, uh, my business. This is how, like, society's perception, obviously we all know it's there, you know? And I think it can be a little bit harmful. It's, it's such a strong energy and... Uh, makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, actually. I, I can't lie, probably a bit like what Sancho is saying, because, I mean, look at the room. 
this is like beauty. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, the that energy is just, yeah, it's really like below the line. I feel I feel like we need to vibrate on above the line, um, and I think, but still remembering who we are. Again, why we have to be strong. Obviously, we cannot forget our ancestors. We stand on their shoulders. So that strength from our internal makeup is already within every single one of us. I mean, how beautiful is that? When you reframe it, our strength is our beauty. And then how can we use that every day when we show up and then show the world who we are? Like a silent strength. I'm a, very, I'm a huge introvert, so I'm much more about showing people who we are rather than being here. Because you play to your strengths. Every single one of us is different, and that's what also makes it beautiful. And then I think, yeah, you just do you but in a really positive, humble space. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. So there are several traits to emotional resilience. I think we've kind of touched on a few of them. Just to kind of reel them off, there's perseverance, optimism, support, surrounding yourselves with support, sense of humor, perspective, and spirituality. So which one of those do you feel is more natural to you? And then which one do you need, do you feel more, do you have to be more intentional about? I will list it again. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So perseverance, optimism, support, so naturally surrounding yourself with others, sense of humor, perspective, and spirituality. So which one is natural and which one is you have to be more intentional as far as resilience? I don't know. I think that depending on the situation, some are easier for me to access and lean on and, you know, draw from than others. I personally would say optimism for you. Really? Of what I know of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, <laughs> optimism probably is the first thing, the default, yes. And I know that because it's something people comment on. And also, I think it's um, annoying for some people, too. Um, in the, you know, I've, I've been heard to say, you know, like, if there's a, a turd here, I'd be able to find a bit of glitter in, in that situation. <laughs> because I always, I'm constantly, I don't think I'm like this naturally, but I'm constantly trying to remind myself the, the, the principles of life, right, which because of like unconscious bias seem to be the thing that are always, where are you? I'm looking for you. But you know, the fact that things pass, they always pass, you know, um, actually there's a life lesson in this somehow, you know, whether it's from, from awful things sometimes, my friend had a house fire, luckily no one was hurt. And it was actually all the things you can imagine. And she's found some really beautiful and funny ways sometimes to reflect on that time now and talk back to it. Obviously, everyone is safe, so that's the underpinning thing there, but that's the constant thing that I'm always looking for because I do know that, um, you know, when you do look back at life and when you look at your timeline, like you laughing now at the heartache or, you know, whatever it is, you, you think to yourself, ah, oh, was, that, was that really how I was in that, in that moment, you know? So, yeah, I would... Yeah, I'd say that you're right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, and I'll reel off the list again. <laughs> Perseverance, optimism, support, surrounding yourselves with people, sense of humor, perspective, and spirituality. Which one do you naturally lean towards as far as emotional resilience? And which one 
is, I suppose, a bit more intentional. So you probably have to work more at it. I would say, naturally, the last two, spirituality, so spirituality and perspective. And perspective, yes. Uh, it helps that I'm an architect, so I love perspective. I just had to put that in there. I think, I think, I think very visually. So I like to connect life and the world to perspective and space and three-dimensional energy and more than just here. There's always so much more. Um, I've never realized that until saying that out loud now, but hey, you know. So yeah, perspective, spirituality is my natural um, foundation, my go-to. But perseverance, and interestingly you shared that because I was running today and that was my intention. Uh, I'm training on my endurance and my distance, so... What are you training for? I mean, <laughs> I am training for the London Marathon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, I've never done a marathon before. This is huge for me. So, it throws up all the things. Regardless of what I do on my day-to-day, -day, it doesn't actually matter. You're still human. When you do something new for the first time, whew. So, it's been brilliant in terms of life lessons and experience. So, yeah, so... I was like, Jade, what is your intention for this long run today? I said, perseverance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One step, and literally it worked. It was amazing. So I have to work on this. So I think the whole thing of keep going, keep showing up. Every time I journal, you just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the hardest bit, but that is the bit. That's it. That's life. When you speak to elders, when you speak to people who are very wise, you ask them, how did you do it? How are you doing it per se? Uh, you just keep going. You keep showing up. And I say it very easily, but obviously we all know it isn't that easy. But essentially, it kind of is. You just keep persevering with your foundation of why, you know, which again is my spirituality, my belief, my bigger picture. Um, so, yeah. Nice. And actually facing fears, embarking on challenges, that is one surefire way of, of building resilience. Um, another way is actually physical movement, which we've touched on. And so I'm curious to know, how have you made this become a lifestyle? And how have you been able to kind of use it as something that does kind of build you up in that way rather than the aesthetics or the body goals aspect of it, even though that, that may still be lingering. I know it is for me. <laughs> I mean, so I was uh, not a fit person. I, w I was just a normal person, someone who um, joins a gym, maybe goes for six weeks, then had despises it, never goes back again, um, that kind of person. And um, then, you know, Actually, it was a friend nagging me over and over and over and over again to come and do some blasted workout on a Friday night. I was like, you don't know me. Friday nights are not for, I mean, no night is for working out, let alone Friday night. That was where I was at. Um, and then it just started, I went to basically shut my friend up and it, it just, I felt really, um, I pushed myself. In those sessions that I was attending with her, I really, really pushed myself without knowing it because it was actually quite fun and it was nice to be with my brethren and to, to meet other people. Um, and I started coming home on those nights just feeling really smug. I've become really obsessed with feeling smug. I don't know, I should probably double check like if it's a bit negative to be smug, but like with myself, not like to anyone else. I'm not sure that's a good trait. But um, You can be proud of yourself. Yeah, but smug... Was it okay. bigger than proud? 
was it, it bigger than Pride? Yeah, man. It was like, <laughs> literally, I'm the shit. <laughs> so I started feeling like that. And um, I was thinking about, you know, when, when's the last time you did cheeks? So I was like, what do I feel proud about? Like, you've only been running or you've only been, like, you know, doing squats in the snow. But... In the... No. <laughs> Listen, I went in. Screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I was going in. I was on oh, my wow. hands and knees, bear crawling in sand, the works. I was, okay. I was on it. But, you know, I was like, why do you feel proud of that? Like, what, what is it about that? All you've done is whatever. But um, it was the first time, I think, that I'd, as an adult in a long time, kind of done something different, been okay at it, had a really good feeling, and, you know, and it's like, oh, well, when was the last time that I did something like that or got, like, a merit or certificate or passed my driving test, maybe, you know, or, like, your degree or whatever. But on a day-to-day, and I don't mean, like, in the eyes of my employer, I don't want that kind of... Like, I'm on about me thinking, like, yeah, I smashed that, I felt good, I did a... So that started to happen. And it wasn't intentional to make moving and fitness you know, part of my life. Actually, a lot of the things that I do now are just things that I always did. But slowly but surely, being around other like-minded people with big goals and with belief and positivity, like, that was meeting my level of, like, positivity and optimism. It was really interesting being around people like that. And so, slowly but surely, a lot of the skills that I have from my previous life uh, youth, um, being a youth um, mentor, being a director, being, you know, all those things just started to like slot into this other version of my life, but it was the same, but just different. And I decided like, actually, I was at a point in my life where I was like, mm, this feels like a pivotal point. Like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I'd done some traveling. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And actually, I remember even talking to you about some of this, you know, on one of our runs. And I remember though saying, two people out loud, write it down. I just want to be myself. I just want to be in a job where I can just be myself. And some of my friends are like, ah, what do you mean you don't want to work in it? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I just want to be able to show up as myself, to play to my strengths, to be around people, to, you know, I didn't know that was necessarily holding space for them or whatever. And I'm, set, I'm doing that now. You know, so I think obviously surrounding yourself, I didn't know those people existed. I didn't know that they would be there. Um, I was actually quite offended to find out there was all this cool stuff going on not far from where I lived and I didn't know about it. I was like, what's happening? But I think the two, knowing actually coming to that point in your life where you're like, mm, I don't want to do this like this anymore. Or actually, I'm, you know, it sounds quite big. You want to be able to be who you are. But then when you look at who you are, okay, I'm a people person. Yes, I like this. I like that. I don't like that interested in that but not good at that and looking at all those things and going well what can I draw from my life right now and then what can I do and and actually I will caveat it all and then move on to Jade with sometimes it was other people seeing things in me as well that I not didn't believe but just didn't know so even with yoga I go to yoga I'm going like finally find a teacher that I'm like this guy is cool you know it's not just just whale music and whatever like you know I mean there's a variety of like whale awesome. music <laughs> um some of you know right you know what I mean um and I was really bad at yoga that's not really a thing I say anymore but I was rubbish at it. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the, what the teacher was saying. I didn't know Sanskrit. I, I couldn't do half of the things. But he just said to me, he walked past me and I was struggling doing something. And he just went, I think you'd be a really good yoga teacher. 
And I and he was a friend of mine. I sort of laughed and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know how. And then when we spoke a little bit that day after the session, I just thought, you know what? I don't need to know how. I literally do not need to know how. This guy who is, I think is a don, he's my yoga teacher, big up Carl. I'm like, he thinks that I can do this. And you know what? I can. And I didn't necessarily know that I would teach. I just thought this seems like a good, a good this has come my way. Why would I say no? And actually another theme that I have forgotten to touch on is saying yes. And I guess very much figuring it out later, which I think someone famous said somewhere once. But <laughs> saying yes and going, this opportunity has been presented to me. Why? I could say no. Why say no? It'd be boring. Life is awesome. Take the opportunities. Think them through a little bit, but don't overthink it. You know, I was worried about the time investment, the money investment, the will it work, the people laughing at me. <laughs> like no one, I, no one really, I didn't know anyone that looked like me doing yoga at that, at that time. Thankfully, mm -hmm. we, we've got so far to go, but we, we have come a, quite yes. a long way when I think of those days. But I didn't make a big long plan either. You know, I am way more now on like more goal setting with, with you know, three and five years in my mindset, but I didn't do that. I not, wasn't that person. I just thought, I'm saying yes to this. I'm gonna jump off the cliff. And actually my whole life, I always fly. Love it. And, and we <laughs> all always do. When you yeah. look back, you know, if you go home today or whenever and you think, let me look back at my life, you'll look at all the challenges. And even if you didn't think you were flying, to be here right now, reflect on the fact of the thing, you, you were flying. And I, I actually always, always do. And the worst case scenarios, sometimes I play out worst case scenarios in my head. It's a fun little game you can do. Um, and maybe you're, you know, if you've got a coach or someone, they've done it with you. But worst case scenario, it's never happened. Yeah. Ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ever. Nice. Okay. And how, is, how have you evolved your fitness lifestyle? And, and what's been that journey? I mean... Okay, I'll try and do it in three so I can kind of con like consolidate. However, this tactic. it's very similar. What I mean, it's my day-to-day -day now, and it's my life. Know that we didn't realise some of these overlaps. No, either. I we mean, really so it just kind of shows you like... I did. Journey. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she knows. She's a magic. But yeah, so, I mean, movement for me is my life. But interestingly, it, I got a niggle, I got an area of curiosity when I was probably about... I was in secondary school, so how old are you then, Jade, I think? Yeah, but yes, from that age. And I was doing athletics after school club, and I was like, oh, this feels different on my body. This doesn't feel challenging. Mm. I'm trying not to say it in like, a, oh my goodness, it's more so like you get feedback. Like my body was giving me feedback. It felt quite natural, it felt quite organic. I was like, oh, I've got this kind of strength in my body that I didn't realize was there. And I was like, hmm. And it was just like a curiosity I kind of remembered. But I also loved art. I also loved painting. I loved fine art. So those are my two things, and they always have been. They were my spaces. They were my areas where I could just be like, okay, this feels like Jade. Uh, I went down the design route, but never forgot the athletic side. Um, and then carried on design, went into professional world, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like I said, going full circle, when stress read its head, what did I go to to help me get through? And it was running. It was moving. Again, I also had that one friend. So find yourself that one friend who will talk to you like you need because they love you. And they're like, just do it. You will have resistance, maybe. Actually, we're all here for movement, so maybe not. But if you know someone, maybe you could be that friend to them. 
Um, because the resistance will be there. We're human. So she was like, Joe, just get on the treadmill. Just do what we're doing. And I was like, okay, cool. Like resistance. Did the thing and all those feelings came flooding back. My body kept talking back to me. The feedback came. And I just built from there. It became so much more. I have never really personally been on the journey of doing it for what it looks like. Purely because the beautiful energy of everything else movement gives me was so much more than just the cherry on the top of then the external byproduct, personally. Um, but that's because I'm a very intuitive, empathetic person, so I feel a lot of things. So yeah, I started moving, realized the impact on my day-to-day, -day, realized how much joy, more joyful I felt, how I can manage situations, energy exchanges, that strong black woman, I didn't realize, but I was just showing up. So you just kind of bat out all that perception. You just do you. And then I remember saying to my dad, I was like, I think I found it. I think I found what I want to do, even though I thought I was doing what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to be able to help other people feel what I feel when I move. And it, that has been when, however, the higher purpose, whenever I heard that, that's been my here. That's like my laser focus. And then really, again, exactly the same, like Sanchez said, I didn't know how. I also didn't even care how. And I think if you take away even one thing from today, don't worry about the how. Just have your bigger why, have your bigger vision, have your bigger purpose. Find your purpose, your passion, follow your curiosity, and it will all fall into place. And then, yeah, obviously, yeah, I became an instructor. I became a personal trainer. met very amazing, like-minded souls. You find your tribe. You find your thing. And then you just build from there, really. So... The bigger, I would say the bigger benefits of moving is why I always use it as a default for my well-being and everything else that it brings. Yeah, same. Can I just add one line? Also, it touches on Jade's point as well. Um, there are times when I do want to look aesthetically different or better or whatever, but that is secondary to how I'm feeling post. I am not inspired to get out of my bed and run and move and sweat every day actually and I wanted to share that because I think if anyone's in this room like well this person loved it that I, I wasn't that person um, it can be really hard as Matilda knows sometimes for me to get into a, a rhythm and a routine and a flow for you know training for anything or even just for my life but I know that I've never had a bad run I've never had a bad yoga class, I've never had, whatever the movement is, insert here, I've never had a, come away from that and think, I really wish I hadn't bothered doing that, ever. And I've broke things before from walking and moving, and I've no different, wish I hadn't done that, because I learned something new about myself in that injury or whatever. So I did just want to add that, that it's not this thing that I yearn and crave every minute. And I wanted to create a different yoga space. So I didn't know that would happen when my teacher was like, you could do yoga. I just thought I could also stop complaining about some of these spaces and just do my thing. Yeah. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because for those or anyone who follows me on Instagram, um, they'll notice that I tend to document my runs. Um, and so they just think, oh, gosh, Matilda, you, this is about you. This is, you know you're about this life. And actually, the only reason I document them is to hold me accountable. Because if I didn't document them, I ain't running. <laughs> Guaranteed. That's how I feel. But it's kind of just a bit of an accountability tool. Um, so just at this juncture, um, I'm so conscious of time. And I do want to just throw out to anyone who may have some questions before we land this plane. Um, 
anyone at all? I mean, it's not by force, but go on, Adriana. Okay, so the question is, how do you give others grace when you are at a certain place in your resilience journey? I mean, I would probably start with, firstly, you can take the pressure off yourself of having to be a certain way, personally, because I have found and will continue to say, if you can hold space for someone who is going through something, just by listening, actively listening, that already is huge. That is really kind of showing them love, showing them space, because most people, all people just want to be heard. If you hold space and make it sacred, make it safe by letting them speak, they will normally find the way through speaking because they it will just go deeper and deeper. So sometimes all you really have to do is just listen. Imagine an auntie, I mean, that we all have. You know, like really, what do they do? They don't really always say much, but they do always listen and then they'll have that one line of wisdom, potentially. So I would say you can take the pressure off yourself of um, being a certain way. Just be rooted, listen, know that they will know you're there. And as you evolve, you'll have more feedback to give them. But you can just be there. That's what I would personally say anyway. I totally agree. The holding space thing is really nice. And also, they will have that memory forever of, and that experience modeled to them and go on to be those humans that do that as well, which is just incredible. Something that I've had to... I have um, uh, younger sisters. And something that I've realized about myself and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this is something that you can resonate with or not is... Actually, my expectations of um, these people when I am holding space and also giving advice, if advice has been asked for, and then I'm like, why are you coming back to me the next month asking me the same? Do you know? So actually, my expectations of what these people um, go on to do and what they decide to do, my learning in life has been actually something that I've really had to move away from is that I'm not here to fix people. It's not my responsibility to fix anybody. Um, and I don't mean that in a like, like I'm there, but it's not anyone's job to fix anyone, right? And actually, I need to be able to give here or give in a gracious space where I'm not then expecting, this is not a mentor relationship, you know, where you're like, right, next week, what well, did you follow up on those activities? And what are you doing now with said relationship? You know, like, it's, it's not what it is. And so I've had to really distance myself from that byproduct, I suppose. And that has really helped me be a better space holder. Um, and actually, I, I've completely moved away from advice given that it's explicitly, or I have explicitly said, look, I think I do have some useful advice for this one thing, would you like to hear it? So actually doing that has been freeing for me. I think it's been freeing for the other person. Um, and ultimately, going back to what Jade said, you know, holding somebody, is at the core of every being. It's what we all want, okay? And and I think that's enough, actually. Yeah. And you have to give people... I get this a lot of my... If, when my sister listens to this, she's going to be rolling her eyes. You know, you have to give those people their chance to live their life and have their experiences. And all the stuff we've talked about now, you know, let them have that. And, you know, really, otherwise you're just taking it away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, just to add, you also got to know what you should give. You know, some people, they get the Happy Meal. Some people get the, the, you know, the banquet. 
you got to kind of gauge where people are at. You know, it's like I have a uh, one-year-old niece. You know, she can eat food, but there's only so many solids we can give her, you know, even though she eats a lot um, and everything. But we, you know, you just kind of know what to give it in that way. You know, if they don't finish the whole meal, it's okay because they're only 16, you know? I, I would actually say just to second what both these amazing ladies have said is allow them to live out their experience. Um, that's the only way really you learn. It sounds tough, but that's why we're all here. That's why we're here. So allow them to make their decisions, make their choices, be there to hold them, if anything, of course. But yeah, and be okay with that. You know, like they're going to learn so much through living. So just let them fly. Any other questions? Oh, yep, one at the back. So the question is, how have we been able to say no and knowing when to kind of, I suppose, develop and maintain boundaries in our lives? This is something that I have started to really enjoy now, actually. Um, wasn't something that always came easy to me because I n I'm quite naturally a caring person. I'm in, in always tactile hugs, you know, I, want, I can dish them out for days. Um, but actually, no is great because no actually means that I can say yes to something else. That if I'm saying no to this thing, it probably means the new space it's created for this yes is more important for whatever reason. I think I can still sometimes feel a bit guilty for saying no, even though I know why and that it's working well and it's serving me. But life is a lot simpler, actually, when, when I do say no. And I think that it's a two-way thing. I think sometimes I, could, I used to, and we can, think about um, this one-way thing, I'm saying no. You know, you go for a job interview and they're saying, what can you offer the company? No, what can you offer me, fam? You know, it's like, actually, yes, what can I offer the company? But in this, it's like, more than likely, if the core of your body or, you know, whatever part of you is like, I need to say no to this because it's overstepping boundaries and parameters that you're setting up for yourself, it's for a reason. The other thing that I tend to do, and this is more so when it's face-to-face, -face, and it's just one of those things that I've kind of adopted, I think, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it's a pandemic thing, but I actually just tend to shake my head because it seems softer. So, <laughs> so, like, when somebody asks me a question, I'll just be like... Is this on Zoom? It could be anywhere. Like, like funnily enough, I think, um, Selena, if you remember when you asked me about jackets, <laughs> it's like, are oh, you got any more um, flag or jackets coming out? And it was just like, <laughs> this it's like, it I just feel softer. You now look like, <laughs> like you're like nah. in a movie, you know, like Denzel, like, it's like, mm. it's, it's just a bit more, you know, rather than a nah, no, you know, nope. <laughs> yeah, I do shake my head a lot more. And then I'll probably go into the rationale why, but they've kind of accepted that, okay, she's saying no. So it's like, no. And then I'll land it. But um, listen out for the podcast. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It works. I love that. Um, <laughs> it works. On the last bit you said, though, I have found myself sometimes over-explaining then why. Mm -mm. There's no point in saying no if I'm going to do that. And this is something that I'm still trying to pull back from a little bit. So I just I mean, there's always a rationale yeah, for no, my no. It's not just a straight no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying you. I already know your rationale is going to be cut and... <laughs> I'm talking about me. And in case anyone else here has been saying, like, oh, but that other friend, you invite her out for dinner, uh, count me out, full stop. The rest of the group's like, 
wash it in then? Because what, what? I'll be like, listen, I can't come here because basically I've got a pedicure and then the girl did the thing to my foot. And no, it's too much. It's too much. So you have to sit with the comfortability. So I like this because it can be in stages. Yeah, the head it's phase one. Yeah. Sorry, I don't think I can do that. Maybe not even sorry. I'm there is stop. no sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's stop. just like a. Basically, don't let that situation way. spiral, though. Don't. Guys, we only have time for one more question. Um, and then we'll be milling around. There'll be some music. And then if you have any other questions, you can come to us. But any, any more for any more? Yeah. So the question is how has our mothers played into our resilience? Um, I'll probably kick off because as much as me and my mom don't have the... We're cool, we're cool, we're cool. We're not besties, but we're definitely cool. She has heavily influenced me as far as my um, resilience because I'd say my lead trait is perseverance. Um, and I look at everything that my mother has done and did for me and my brother because my father passed away when I was two and she raised us, you know, independently, you know, help from aunties and uncles, but you know, what she's been able to do, I think indirectly influenced me to recognize actually there isn't anything that I can't do because there is no me without my mother. So, yeah. <laughs> Shout out mom. Shout Told out you, mama. I love you. <laughs> I would probably just say, essentially, I am here because of her. That's really the number one. And obviously, we're all human, you know, we're all are, you kind of only know what you know at that phase in your life. So we are the next generation, we evolve, we become more conscious. They behave more conscious maybe than their parents and, you know, ancestry just continues the evolvement. So I would say, yeah, she is strong. Mate, the fact that I'm here, that's, that's really it. And I think that there's so much you can talk about with parenting. So it is a very personal question. However, I would say that, yeah, you're here. You know, that's a gift. And I think you can draw so much from your parents' strength, um, their colors, their ways, their survival, their thriving, their joys, maybe things I don't do as well, how you can learn from them, um, recognize maybe why they are like that, the tools that they have or didn't have exposure to. We're very privileged and very lucky to be sat here with all of us together on a Tuesday evening. So I think when you kind of really look at situations and just really recognize the beauty in life, you can then just kind of see like a balanced view. So I would say, yeah, like I'm grateful because without her, I wouldn't be. But I also really recognize that she's human, like how my grandma would have been human and great grandma. So, yeah. So final takeaways, guys. Anything you kind of want to just leave our beautiful audience with as far as emotional resilience? What could be their next steps? Or what's one thing that they could probably grab onto that set them on their way. Come on, you got a, you got the bomb? You got the one-liner? I'm wordy, man. All right. Um, I think that a lot of the things we've talked about are not easy. They're not easy to do. And that's why I wanted to say things like, I don't get out of my bed, like, I'm going to run, I'm going to sweat, I'm going to whatever. Like, it doesn't, it's not like that for me. So they're not easy. And actually, it would be a lot easier for me to do some of my favorite things, which is Netflix and pizza on the sofa, like that would be a, a much easier route for me to take. But showing up in the smallest way even, if, if all you can do is muster up a really small way to show up on your, on your really stressful times, situations, challenges, all that stuff, 
is what's gonna keep building your bank to come back to things. And if you don't have the space or the capacity to talk to yourself in the way that we've been talking about, you know, if you think about playing that scenario out of your best friend, if it was your best friend sharing whatever it is that you're going through, what would you, from the bottom of your heart, you know, what would you say to that, that person and, and how would you, what actions would you take? Because basically we have to put in a little bit of effort. So like if you've never journaled before and you think it's weird, that's fine to think it's weird, but just start. You, you know, you might not end up with much. I'm not saying you've got to do every day, you know, but showing up as more than less is definitely the key. And it can be tiny, tiny, tiny little ways. And, you know, life is life. Like, whether you're in it or not in it, it's going. And so, you know, it really is a beautiful thing. We all know this. We see the memes. We see the, you know, a butterfly. And if you're in a great mood, you'll suddenly see the wonder of the butterfly. And other days you're like, you don't even know how many, you know. But essentially, life is life. It's happening with you or without you. Get involved. Be there. Because the more you are showing up for yourself, the more you're showing up in the world for your people, for your loved ones, you know, you're a better human to be around. And um, we only get it in, in this way, I think, once. Everything, actually, Sancho has shared, 100% agree. Uh, it is about showing up. But I would say, trust yourself, actually. This keeps coming to me, um, so I'm sharing with you all. Something is telling me to share with you all. I don't know how or why. Maybe it will resonate in some kind of way, but continue to trust yourself. And the fact we are all here right now, I remember a yoga teacher once said it to me in Kundalini, I will never forget. There is a reason why we are all here. So every single one of you, even the bar staff, amazing Simon, shout out to his creativity and his energy, but there's a reason why we're all here. So trust how far you have come. Uh, trust your curiosity, that's why you are here. And whenever you feel like a little bit Go back to what you have done and how you've got to where you are. Try and unpack how you have done it. Your tools, again, the journaling, the running, it isn't easy. I don't always want to train or move it, but the fact that it's going to help me win and help me be my best self and thrive and access more than my ancestors did, I mean, that already is the biggest gift if it helps me be in a space. So trust that you can. Uh, trust your circle, trust your intentions, trust your being, trust you are here for a reason, trust yourself. And then, yeah, that's my parting thing. And more specifically for this audience, absolutely more soft life for the black girl there. hundred percent. Not like, like oh, agree. Just grab it, take it, rub it up, indulge in it. More. <laughs> you can be graciously more. strong. You don't have to be, you can be graciously, you can be quietly strong. You don't, you don't even, and remember, strong doesn't have to look a certain way. You can make strong be whatever it means for you. We don't have to make it be society's perception of strength. And st throw that out the window in my, in my book because there's so much more. Strong could be crying for however long because actually you're releasing, you know? So strong could be laughing in something, finding the, the humor in something in a really shit situation. So find your version of strength. Uh, and then it can also be going for a run and hitting a gym session or going to a spin class, smashing a personal best. It can be any and everything. And I think that would be my biggest takeaway. Like open your mind, helicopter out, like dive in. You know, there's so much and take what you need from it, really. Beautiful. Guys, please give them a round of applause.
We have reached the end of our chat. Thank you, Sanchia. Thank you, Jade. Thank you for having me. There you have it, guys. That was such a beautiful chat with Jade and Sanchia with so many takeaways. And I can't even lie, it was really hard to whittle it down to just three. But here we go. Takeaway number one, reflect on the things that you've been through. Jade pointed out that there are many chapters you will go through in life that will test you in different ways. And as you work through each situation, you'll discover how strong you were and you can use this strength for your new chapters. Takeaway number two, have a diverse support group who you can go to for different things depending on the season you're in. Everybody's been through something. We've all got life lessons to share and just identify those people who can help you when you need it the most. And finally, takeaway number three, facing your fears, taking on challenges, and committing to physical movement are all ways of building emotional resilience. These choices will give you the mental and emotional strength to deal with the unpredictability of life and what that might bring. They'll also remind you that no matter what, you've got this. So that is it for this episode of Finesse Your Wellness, brought to you by Flygo Collective, a space for black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Flygo Collective on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or sign up to our mailing list at flygocollective.co for lovely tips, goodies, and invites delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you love what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes. And if you're kind enough to give us five stars, we'll give you a shout out. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you on the next episode.